0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode 42 of Blurred Thoughts with myself, Azri, and Stephanie. (sighs) Hi Stephanie, how are you?
1: I am good, how are you?
0: I'm good, Uh, really excited for today's episode. So as always, uh, (laughs) we are once again on another episode of Forbidden Questions You Are Too Afraid to Ask, and today's episode um, is inspired by Stephanie. And the question is, is procreation the sole driving force of society? So basically, in simple layman terms, is the main goal of society just to get married and have kids. So, since this is- Or you know,
1: not get married and have
0: kids. Or, got ma- <laughs> or not get married and have kids. So. Um, You know, since there's something that Stephanie came up with, uh, I was thinking, you know, Stephanie, maybe you could maybe like talk about why this was an inspiration for this particular episode. What made you think that we should discuss this? And then maybe we can go from there.
1: Sure. Um, I guess it comes down to uh, like every time you're like above 25, there's the question of like, oh, when are you getting married? Oh, when are you getting kids? Uh, This and that, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of like, Why is it always these two things that matter in life most more than anything else? And I guess the second part comes from a more kind of relationship partnership type of a question or thought where, you know, a lot of the laws in many countries are based on like marriage or partnerships, like a a romantic relationship, essentially, where you can get benefits for, I don't know, being married like there there are perks to being married and being a couple right and i was just kind of like why can't i be in a civil partnership with a friend whom i trust we don't have to be romantically related like Mm
0: -hmm, intimate mm
1: -hmm. or anything like that but if men like just because two people are romantically linked can experience perks like why is that like the defining part of society where it's all about when it should be more about human connection and i don't know it it just feels like everything comes down to are you having kids are you married are you like like it, when when in the grand scheme of things the issues in society is the the things that keep society alive at least from my point of view are bigger than marriage and procreation, but then somehow the the, the way society is currently structured is kind of centred or founded upon this need to be in a relationship or a romantic relationship coupled with procreation. And yeah, that's kind of like, and the question is like, is procreation the end all and be all of society? And I do understand that you know to grow society or keep the human race alive you need to procreate but then for that procreated new babies like is our society ready for them I don't know I guess it's like a couple of these things mulling in my mind that inspired this topic really and as Azri would ask me Azri why did you agree to this topic (laughs)
0: Well, well, interesting way of turning the tables. Um, Oh god, okay. Okay, let me hold your question for a while because I was thinking I mm. wanted to explain a few things because to what you talked about. So now, from a Singapore perspective, I was just thinking maybe you should explain for our international yeah. listeners about you know the, the merits basically. So in Singapore, there's a lot of incentives for getting married, obviously. So first of all, the first very obvious incentive is The moment you get married, you're able to purchase public housing and public housing or housing in general in Singapore is like one of the most expensive that I know of in the world. I think we're only second to Hong Kong, if I'm not wrong. And basically, if you're not married, there's no other alternative but to wait until you're 35 to purchase public housing or you purchase private housing. But what they do with private housing is that you have to pay 20% down payment in cash in order to purchase a house first. And when you're talking about... Sorry.
1: I was just going to say, and houses in Singapore are not the same in other big countries. Like, they are millions of dollars.
0: Yes, I was (laughs) going to say...
1: Oh, sorry. Yeah,
0: no, no, as in, I, I agree. Because... Uh, You know, even public housing now has, in prime areas, can reach up to a million dollars if you get, Mm. you know, developments, uh, private housing, private developments, uh, whether it's old or new, the basic price is usually above $900,000 Singapore dollars. So that's a huge amount for, you know, just normal everyday people. Um, So I think that alone is really like a sort of like a push factor right you sort of push people into thinking that okay you need to get married because the moment you get married as well you get a lot of financial incentives you get benefits you get grants subsidies from the government Um, so certain things that I know of is if you were to purchase a house as a married couple living close to your parents you get a pretty hefty chunk of subsidy if it's your first time applying for public housing you get another hefty chunk of subsidy so it really adds up and that i think as a whole is a big incentive now um now to answer stephanie's question about why i agreed to this episode is okay obviously the first answer i would give is we've always had a thing where you know either one of us will throw episodes at each other and we'll just roll along with it Um, and sometimes one of us is uncomfortable with a particular topic sometimes the other person is but for this you know I like to think that I agree to this because you know there's a lot of things that people don't talk about when having kids a lot of times people talk about having kids in a very perfect idealistic way and of course I'm the idealist in this duo and Stephanie's the realist and the cynic <laughs> but even I from my idealistic point of view I am aware that there are certain things that you need to know about having kids that it's a challenge it's not perfect And a lot of time, the most challenging parts are like, to me at least, I feel is like the first 10 years. And it's going to be like the most demanding time of your life. And no one talks about it, right? Because like what Stephanie said, like the conversation is always like, are you going to get married? And then when you're married, it's when are you going to have kids? no one comes to you and like you know you just got married take your time you know work on your (laughs) marriage you know build a strong structure you know you know create a home for yourself no one does that in singapore to the best of my knowledge like my cousin who just got married like all he ever hears is when is he gonna have kids my grandma will go to him and like when am i gonna have grandchildren like that's always a conversation um and so i think it creates this unhealthy i wouldn't say unhealthy but it creates an unrealistic portrait of what parenting and having children is like and I think it's very unfair to the kid because as the saying goes you know the kid didn't ask to be born into this world the parents chose to bring them into this world so you have every responsibility as the creators of this kid to ensure that you know every factor, every facet of your life is ready for it and Mm. that's why I want to have a very frank and honest conversation and you know I, I think yeah, you know, just cause Stephanie and I are single, it doesn't mean that we're not aware. I mean, we see challenges every day. We see kids going helter skelter, not being taken care of, being problematic. Even basic grooming and personal hygiene is neglected. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, like we've seen this, right? It's happening all around us. So yeah. I think that's 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 my reason for my impetus and my agreement to think that this is a very important episode.
1: Great. Um... Yeah, and and I agree. I think that's. I feel like this is a topic both of us have spoken about in private, in multiple occasions on chat, um, and I guess we've also had conversations with other friends in, on on similar topics. Um, and I guess should we start with why we think having kids is such a big deal in our society
0: sure you start because i <laughs> fell into this trap in episode 41 where stephanie just kept asking questions and it just became an as dialogue so sure stephanie please please enlighten us
1: please enlighten i think from an asian perspective i think it's all about like growing the family name um keeping the family legacy whatever it might be um and it's like oh who's gonna take on our name kind of a a bit of a pride thing um without necessarily realizing all the issues (laughs) like i feel like as as we said i am the cynic but i can sit like no family is perfect let's be honest but then in the outside world everyone likes to see themselves as perfect or portray themselves as perfect and like oh, we're the best family in the world. And I feel like as a child, I've always um, had this impression of, oh, like my family is really amazing. Like we're so closely knit. There's so many, like despite of us being scattered like in 500 different countries, we're still very closely knit and things like that. But then as you grow older, you see all these issues simmering under this perfect picture. They've all painted for you to see. Um, And you're like, do i really like this is Uh super cynical of me but it's like do i really want to procreate (laughs) like do i need to add more fuel to this fire kind of a perception Mm -hmm. but then you step in and and people judge you for that they're like oh but you know kids are the future of this world like we need to procreate so we can survive in this world and then you think about all of the issues that are going on like literally all the episodes we've recorded thus far is about how there are so many unsolvable problems or issues in society that are so hard to solve and you're like do I really want to bring children into this situation like I understand the need to procreate to you know keep the human race alive to keep your family name alive and all of that but it's also like is it selfish of us to we're such we're in such a bad shape as well the world is in such a bad shape and it's like do you not feel guilty of like throwing your future children into this mess that you've created over the last few centuries and I've and I guess that's where we always see children or procreation as this positive thing but then like in the previous episode we recorded like like, like i was ha- i was saying how you can see a child and you can almost predict the future of how messed up this child is going to be it's a bit like that like you're like great procreation will have more humans in the future but they're just going to live through all the shit we've created and i'm like do we need that like do we need the human race to be alive just to fight more things
0: Um. Okay. So for me, I. Okay. So Stephanie already brought up certain points about you know longevity and all that stuff. I think I was reading somewhere about how the need for pro- procreation is coded in our gene. Uh, in our genetics in our DNA. I combined <laughs> DNA and genetics into a word there. Digenetics. genetics, uh, genetics, genetics. But um, what I wanted to say was that I I can understand that right because it's sort of like you live beyond your death, because like, sort of like, a part of you is passed on to the next generation, I think Mm. that is a big uh, impetus or a big factor for people to have kids. And I can understand why that would be great. (laughs) I'm trying so hard to be nice when I say this. It's it's just that, um... (laughs) You know, sometimes when I hear the people that argue for this particular argument, I'm like, "Mm, I'm not sure if your DNA DNA is like the best part to continue propagating in the world. Because, you know, sometimes I, I told Stephanie this when we were discussing this particular episode. A lot of people that I think who are super amazing, super ready, super wonderful individuals who should be parents are afraid shitless of becoming parents and then you have those who are super confident and mess but they are so messed up and they're having babies all over the place and then it sort of begets the question of okay sometimes it's because they they sort of want this sort of like uh, living beyond their death sort of like you know living continuously I, I hope that makes sense la, so basically a part of you lives on in the next generation. Um, I also know that for, for me, in terms of my religious upbringing, it's considered like a blessing, uh, although it does sound a bit self-centered because what I understand is it's good to have kids if, if they pray for you. So of course people misconstrue it because then people would just say, oh, I want to have lots of kids, then they all pray for me. I'm like, you do realize it doesn't work that way, right? You have to actually be a good provider of kids. You have to love them and uplift them and empower them so they love you and then they pray for you. It doesn't just happen. It's it's not like giving a command to a robot and say like, hey, pray for me. So I, I do see that as well. I've also heard a lot of like really crazy self-serving reasons. Um, so I was, I was eavesdropping, I'm sorry to admit this, but I was eavesdropping a particular conversation in which this particular person was basically having multiple kids back-to-back to basically tap on uh, Singapore's, Singapore government's financial subsidy called the baby bonus scheme. So essentially when you have a baby, this Singapore government basically gives you certain financial incentives uh, several cash bonuses over a period of I think six months to seven years old, basically, and so basically, this particular person was sort of um trying to exploit in a way the system to make extra money on the side, and I'm like, this is not like making hamburgers and selling it to people, you know. You're like creating a child who will depend on you for food and guidance and love and shelter and all this stuff. And it's heartbreaking for me to think like you would have so many kids like seven kids and how are you going to afford that on a single person's income like it feels really irresponsible to me and i i'm fine if people out there want to judge me because i i i will stick by my by my judgment i really think it's irresponsible because i i don't think that those seven kids are gonna get the love and attention that they each deserve equally.
1: There are a few things that came to my mind when you we were talking. One was about the whole genetics thing and like passing down your heritage. And what popped into my head is like, do you need to procreate to pass on your legacy? Could you adopt children in need? and take care of them, and pass on your legacy to them. Because I sometimes kind of think about, like, you know, when it comes to food, when it comes to fashion, things I care about, like, if I don't have kids, I wouldn't have anyone to pass it on to, like, you know, like, food that I've made, or recipes, or whatever it might be. But it's like, but I can pass it on to people I interact with, whether it's children, whether it's adults, I'm still passing on that legacy. It's not in the form of my own genetic child um and 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 that's one question is like should we to keep the human race alive could we not adopt but like do we need to actually procreate and create our genetic spawn or could we just you know just have adopt a child who might be less fortunate the second bit was around the blessing thing and i feel like when you say that a lot of people who can't actually have kids, you make them feel less. And I feel that's part of the thing, right? Like, you know, infertility and just kind of different conditions that, that doesn't allow you to give birth to a child. I feel like our society's kind of insistence on having a child can play such a, a negative impact on people who actually may want to have children but can't and then it's like a flaw and you, you know how I, i've i've heard it before like um when people were like oh that's other daughter but no it's uh, adopted and it's just that kind of like cynical not cynical but like this kind of below par child Judgey. almost yeah it's like you know if it's your own child it's like first place if it's an adopted child second place kind of thing without realizing that regardless it's the same the third bit is what you were saying around like you know people having children because they have someone to take care of them or pray for them but then you don't necessarily provide for them in the same way and like do people just have children for the sake of knowing that when they grow older, someone will take care of them. And, and that's such a huge imposition on a child because as a parent, you would want them to live their lives and not... I mean, if I were a parent, I would rather die early if I'm like... I'm just saying, like, rather than putting someone else to like take care of me, I would just die at 65 or 70, 75.
0: <laughs> God no No, I, I think... <laughs> That was such a morbid thing. I think what they were trying to say like, okay, okay, obviously <laughs> there are there are messed up people that say that, but I think the point they're trying to make is more like I would have companionship in my later years. Like, you know, of course there's those that think that, you know, you take care of me, like they are just like trying to abuse the the relationship, right? Maybe. Like you must take care of me. But I think there are those that, like, they genuinely are worried that they'll be alone when they're older. So they hope that their child will visit them, talk to them, you know, keep them company. Mm. I feel like I think that's the thing. But please continue.
1: I I guess so. I mean, I might have gone in a very dark morbid direction there. but, But even then, I feel like procreating for the sake of companionship in your later life, I don't know, I find it so, maybe it's just me. Like <laughs> I find it so selfish in a way it's like, I'm creating you. So you better be there for me in the future, kind of a expectation, um, whether it's, you know, in, in the way that you expect a child to take care of you and like force them to take care of you. Cause I, I have heard stories about like parents forcing children to pay up for them and, and all of that. Um, and there is the side of like companionship. I don't know. I feel like it should be out of the child's own will to provide companionship or provide support or provide anything. It shouldn't be a reason to have kids. Um I don't know what was the point I made there. No, but... I
0: I I agree actually. Yes, I would say you went really dark. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think you made very strong points, right? And I think this is the fallacy or like I'm not sure the fallacy is the right word. I think it's a fallacy, where it's a very Asian thing where they think that you know the kids are indebted to them for the rest of their lives, and I'm like, it's it feels very transactional. So it feels like, so are you telling me you don't really love your kids? It's just like it's a debt. It's a debt that they have to pay for the rest of your lives. And, you know, um, obviously we know that the ones, you know, in the scenario that I painted where they want you to take care of you, like, completely, that's completely utter bullshit. But, you know, even the companionship one, it also speaks to the problem, right, in Asian society where they don't try to mingle a lot with the communities. Now, obviously I'm speaking from even a a before-COVID sort of scenario because I remember, like, back then, it, it felt very, like, it was always just about oh family and I'll always be like don't you guys have friends outside friends from work friends like whatever and then it just felt like I was asking something blasphemous like to have oh meeting your friends outside I'm like but you should have healthy relationships at work as well right like at least one or two I'm not saying to be friends with everyone but at least one or two people that you can you know hang out with or people just outside of family. I, I think it's important I would say it's really essential because sometimes you need a perspective that's untainted by family. Because especially from a we know this, Stephanie <coughs> and I are like making faces at each other, like whenever there's a family problem, right? And then you just talk to family, the moment the moment the family hierarchy or patriarchy or whatever archy there is comes into play, <laughs> it's never Proper decisions. Proper decisions never get made. It's always made for the sake of honor or for the sake of looking good. It's always about presentation, especially from an Asian perspective. But at least when you have like this kind of outside perspective, outside friendships, it helps you to like you know recalibrate and like okay, you know what? Maybe my maybe my family's a bit messed up when they say these kind of things. So, you know, I need to I need to hear what Stephanie says or what my other so friend says. And I, I feel this, you know, even for me Because I always tell Stephanie Like I really hope we become neighbours next time And stay friends and whatever Because I, I need that stability You know what I mean? I need to have these people outside Of that so-called nucleus To tell me that, you know what? Your family is just crazy And I know mm-hmm. like Asian The typical Asian hardened parents Are going to flame us for saying this But I feel that this whole Asian family Like, you know Asian family is never wrong, Asian family always, you know, loyalty till death, it's also a bit unhealthy because then it doesn't feel like it's really love anyway, it's just very, very transactional, and yeah, that's what I wanted to say, I was actually looking at my notes because you were saying so many important things, and Mm -hmm. yeah
1: that loyalty thing, do you think that's the reason why people procreate then, exactly what you're saying like, people think that if you're family, you're going to be always loyal, whereas if you make friends, your friends are never, like, there's sometimes like, you know, whether it's like jobs or salary or just random shit, that I tell my mom and I was like, oh, I spoke to my friend about this, I spoke, and she was like, oh, don't reveal this to your friend, don't tell talk about this to your friend, and I'm like, why not? Like, I feel like she understands my perspective, or he understands my perspective more than you do like because we've grown up in that environment and situation and it's just that loyalty and trust where they think someone outside of the family may betray you and I'm like but I've seen people in the family betray you as well so why like it's just this warped thing and it just reminded me of like in my family especially even when you get married they are so afraid of going outside the family like we marry within i don't know how to explain it a bit of incest but you know what i mean Mm, Um, it's the thing like oh we don't want our genes to go further out um we don't want the negative genes to come in type thing and it becomes that fueling force of how they grow the the family name or whatever the hell it might be and i'm like why like I said, like, I was literally telling my friend the other day, I was like, you know, the two of us could literally move in together. Or, like, as you were saying, like, we could literally be neighbours and be there for each other. Like, you don't necessarily need a family unit. If you think about what the reasons you said, right, companionship, someone to take care of you, someone, like, why can't that be a friend? Why does that have to be a child or a romantic partner or someone you're like formally bound to
0: yeah um i agree uh although admittedly you know that there was one part i was a bit uncomfortable because you were talking about you know the whole like you know marrying like they don't want to marry too far out of the family right so like you know for for our international international listeners yeah i'm so sorry that you had to hear this dark side of asian society is actually very common um so like apparently i had no idea like i actually (laughs) believe it or not like can marry my cousin i'm not going to i'm just saying like apparently it's possible and i was just like ew but like it happens you know with within other families and all that stuff and it's like what stephanie says like the fear of like you know like oh letting outside genes and First of all, the problem with this kind of thinking is also the whole xenophobic xenophobia that's happening around the world as well. I think you sort of like, you sort of see how this kind of translates to that fear and hatred of people that looks different or are different from you or have a different identity. So that's one. Another thing that I'm going to be very bold about and probably will get slammed for but I will stand by this because I feel quite strongly about this one thing I've noticed when it comes to people who say that kids are supposed to take care of them is because they mm. have been ev- they have been very irresponsible. So they've made a lot of mistakes that they refuse to own up to own up and take responsibility for, whether it's, you know, building a healthy social network outside, having, you know, friends outside of family or having proper savings or financial plans, whatever it okay. is. So instead of taking responsibility for that, they pin the blame on the kids. And in those scenarios, I think because they have been so used to using guilt as like a trump card in their interactions with their kids, that their kids sort of like just, okay. And I think this is something that needs to change. And I think parents, if, you know, honestly speaking, if you feel like your finances are not in the right place, you still have debt You still have debt for whatever, your house, your car, whatever it is, please don't think about bringing in a kid. Because (laughs) Children are expensive I'll be very honest Yeah Even public education Is expensive Even Singapore That has very heavy Subsidies for education And university Even then It's quite a chunk Of money And Mm. you're not factoring In transportation Daily food Expenditures You know Like courses You know Extracurricular activities All these things I think no one Talks about this And you know I'll just give an anecdotal example. I remember when I was in school, growing up, you know, like like seven, ten. I was always I've always been very particular about money. I don't know why, even as a kid. And I remember, you know, my parents will be, you know, at this at the end of the school year, my parents will be bringing me to the bookshop to get all the books for the start of next year, right? You have to do that. You get your uniforms, your new school mm. shoes, everything. And I remember it would always be about like three to five hundred dollars, and then we would like you know they'll be planning for whether to take a school to to hire to pay for school bus services to ferry me to and from school and then like you know how much to set aside for whatever activities I wanted to sign up for and then I was nine years old and we had this civics class and this teacher just walked in was a like a temp teacher and said oh education in Singapore is free. And me, as a nine-year-old, I said, how dare you say education is free?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this teacher lost his shit. Did you hear this story before, Stephanie? No. He, This teacher lost his shit. And, just started, uh, he told me to stand up and started yelling at me about how, like, I'm ignorant and I'm wrong and I'm th- just, just yelling and yelling and yelling. And asked me to apologize. And I said, uh, in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to mean it lah. But, I just said, oh, okay, yes, I'm sorry. And I sat down. And a lot of my friends laughed at me. They said, like, I deserved it. And I was just like, no, I think you guys are just dumb. And now, you know, that I'm 31, turning 32, I've worked in the education industry, I've seen parents struggle with this. I'm like, I I would totally slap that teacher in the face and like, yeah, tell me now in my face that education, education is not free. Even... Singapore, yeah, the basic tuition fees in schools and stuff are free. But you still have to consider like there's all sorts of things that you have to pay for. And, you know, that's just education. You know, you have to pay for your kids' entertainment. Don't deny it. You have to pay for your kids' toys, food, books, clothes, food. And then, you know, whenever you travel, you're no longer travel by yourself. You know, you have to pay, even if it's just to visit your parents. Right? Now you have to consider the transportation fees for your kids. Like, you have to factor all these things. So, if really, if you're... If you... I'm being very honest. If now you have multiple debts, I genuinely think <laughs> you should not have kids. Because because I... No, no. As, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm biased. Because I have been in scenarios where I have friends who have kids. And then, you know, they will always tell me, like, Oh, um, if anything happens... Would you ever help me with my kid? And in that scenario, you'd be like, I mean, in your head, you're like, what, what kind of help?
1: Mm-hmm. Because if you're
0: talking to me like from a perspective that I have been an educator and you want me to help your kid with math mm. and science or languages, yeah, sure. But if you're talking from a perspective that you're not financially prepared and you're hoping that you know I will kind of help you pull your pull and help you know pull the ends together. I'm not sure that's my responsibility. And I feel like that's what happens with a lot of parents. They don't realize that cost of living keeps increasing. And
1: mm.
0: no, it's great that you want to have kids. I don't have issues against it. You just need to do your due diligence. And Stephanie brought up another very good point, which I am just now remembering. You know, the, the conversation around kids also has to change because it's also very toxic, especially to women and like what Stephanie was bringing up right i agree that you know i do know i do know women younger than me who have issues with their fertility you know they they don't have they have problems with their menstrual cycles and all that stuff they have to keep seeing different specialists and never get results so these are heartbreaking experiences for them and then you know you can't just go up to them and ask when you're going to have children because you never know what kind of struggles they're facing so the conversation in general has to change mm. and the preparedness and the awareness of the financial undertaking needs to be more properly looked at.
1: I mean, we've spoken about the downsides of all of this, right? <laughs> <If it's>, n- <laughs> which oh God, I guess it's I'm a personal sorry. bias. No, no, no. Like m- me included. And as you were talking, like, cause you were talking about specific characters of irresponsible parents and things like that. and I was, as you were talking, I was thinking like, okay, that all makes sense. You know, in the worst scenario, these people shouldn't be having kids. But what if it's a responsible person, parent, like two people who are in a decent enough job um, and want to have kids? Is that? Let me rephrase it.
0: No. They need to consider another factor. Time. Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because you could have... And all when you the say m- time? Because you have to be aware that, you know, you might have the financial resources, but do you have the time mm. after your job? Do you have the energy after your job to spend time with your kids? Because then I'm sure you've seen mm. this example where, you know, kids with parents at a restaurant and parents are just like worn out. They just stick a phone in their kids' hands. And, you know, just hope to have a Mm -hmm. minute in silence. Now, I have nothing against that because I do know, you know, educational experts who argue that there are good apps for kids. There are good things. Just like how last time we watched a lot of TV growing up. There were a lot of really good shows. Like, I enjoyed Barney. I enjoyed the crafts on Barney. I liked (laughs) the Magic School Bus. I enjoyed, uh... High five. oh, Oh, I love dancing with high five. And there was this Art Attack show. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I loved how creative he was. He could just make use t-shirts from God knows where and just create this amazing picture, you know, an aerial picture. And it was wonderful. So in the same vein, now with, you know, all these technology, there are good aspects to it. But I think when you take, you know, when you use all these distractions to take away from the fact that your kid You want to distract your kid because you don't want to interact with them because you're too tired, then that's also another factor that you're not prepared from an energy standpoint to handle kids. Because it's not fair to the kids. Because then, why I say this is an issue, because these will be the parents that will turn right around when the kids are older and complain, oh, Mm. why aren't my kids talking to me at dinner? At dinner, why are they whipping out their phones? Because I have been in scenarios like this and then. I'll visit them in their homes and stuff and I'll see how the parents treat the younger children of the families and I'm like, no wonder this happens, right? Like, For me, I'm so thankful, like Stephanie, myself, Nigel whenever we meet, you know it's like almost an unsaid rule like we just don't use our phones we have proper conversations eye contact and then, you know once in a while, okay every 30 minutes or so, we just make sure like, okay, maybe there's some important stuff we have to settle and then we come back to the conversation. But then I'll always, I I always remember saying this to Stephanie or Nigel, like, "Hey, you check out that table. Like, so silly. They're just like, using their phones. They're not even talking to each other this entire time. And it's sad because you're a family unit. Why wouldn't you talk to your kids? Why wouldn't you engage with your kids? Right? So, I'm sorry for interrupting but I just wanted to jump into
1: that. And... I guess what I'm trying to glean is like there are so many things to think about when having kids. Like exactly what you said. And I feel like I've spoken to Azri and like some of my other friends, like just me by myself. I'm so exhausted by my day-to-day job. Like like recording this podcast, like to carve out time is actually like it's not an easy thing especially with the time zone and everything right like even like a simple commitment like that requires an effort and kids are not as simple as calling a friend and blabbering on <laughs> via google meets and then posting it on like and the the kind of nurture environment like that we were talking about in our previous episode, like requires time and effort from parents. And not everyone can do that properly well, which is why I guess a lot of us are in messed up situations in terms of, you know, neglect, whether it's emotional, physical, intellectual neglect, is intellectual neglect? Emotional neglect. Um, and which then... I guess the other side is there is always going to be issues with having kids, right? In terms of money, in terms of time and not everyone is rich enough or um, not, maybe rich enough is not the right word like can't afford to have kids from a time, money perspective then should everyone not have kids not everyone, like But then what does that mean? Is that the end of the world? Is that the end of the society? Like, do you know what I mean? Um, I I don't know the answer to it because I feel like we have a personal choice against not having kids. And sometimes we look at people and be like, why are these people having kids when they don't have the time or the money or the energy to actually provide for a child? But then I'm like, is there ever a situation where there is a need? Because we did start this episode from a, I guess, negative standpoint, right? In, in One coming from the place where why is every conversation, everything surrounded by marriage and children? And like, everyone seems to think it's like the end all and be all of all things because uh-huh. of, uh-huh. you know, growing the family legacy and growing the family name. But is there any positive things, do you think, to procreation? beyond i guess having people live on earth after we die <laughs>
0: um okay i will first try to explain my point of view because i know i was very hard in the previous five minutes okay now when i talked about you know being able you know planning your finances and making sure your time was managed properly is because i think that's something that was a big sore point for me because like I wanted to chase like the best education options possible. But I think my parents were not aware of, you know, how expensive education was going to be. And in the same vein, I want parents to know that, you know, when I was going to school and when children now are going to school, it's a completely different ball game. And mm. I know the general standard of living has increased, right? Because now I see kids with Coach backpacks and like um, LV wallets, and they are only like fourteen years old. By all means, if you have the means, great. My side note to those kind of parents is: please teach your kids the value of money and the value of you know possession, possessing such mm. such items. What I think I, the more important part I'm trying to say with money and time is even if you don't have enough and you're going to have kids, have a plan in place. What plan mm. are you going to make in ensuring that your kid will be fine? Will have at least a decent... I'm not going to say basic. A decent... Sorry, do you want to say something?
1: Yes. <laughs> it was just to get exactly the point you're trying to make, right? I can almost hear our parents commenting or like the generation before us commenting and being like, we never made a plan. We never made a plan. We just rolled with it. I mean, they might have made a plan in their own ways, right? Um, You turned out fine. Because they see us now as people with an education, people who are able to survive in society. They're like, you turned out fine. So... Anyone can have children. Because they didn't see
0: our struggles. Like, but that's the
1: thing. See, then they will say, but you didn't see our struggles either. We turned out fine as well. It's like this repetitive cycle. Like, then you, that, the then struggles should, made you stronger kind of thing. You know what I mean? they should
0: listen to our previous episode on generational curses. <laughs> so they are exactly the reason why some curses are never broken. Because, <laughs> like, no, but no, honestly, don't you think like that's the problem? Like, why problems keep getting mm. like keep going on and on and on like why mm. like sometimes we, we talked about this right like when we, we talked about how when we were kids we had challenges in the education system and then now 20 years since we left like secondary school or primary school these kids have the same problems in math in in understanding mm-hmm. basic algebra in understanding basic manipulations in understanding basic graphical representations in mathematical models for example why is it in 20 years the needle still remains the same? Because you have parents or whatever, policy makers or whatever who just keep saying, oh, we have this bunch of kids that turn out all right. Yes, because it was difficult for us. I remember how difficult it was for me in school for math. I was struggling. Mm -hmm. But I told myself I needed to keep struggling because I cannot fail because that was the expectation I placed on Mm -hmm. myself. So... To answer your point, Stephanie, yeah, I, I think that's a big, big problem.
1: And, and I think that's the thing, right? Like, I look at a child <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the world is so fucked up for this child. And and that's just me, because I'm like, this, I can see their parents, I can see this, like and that deters me of like, why would I put a newborn baby into this position? Right. And another person can come in and be like, oh, but everyone goes through struggles, like every, like, let, let's be honest, everyone have their own set of struggles. No one goes through life without the struggle. So it's kind of like, oh, that's their fate. And that's what they're destined to go through, to survive in this world. And that's makes up their character in this world. And you can have an argument there. Do you know what I mean? I'm just trying to be devil's advocate here because I look at children and I'll I'll just be like, they don't need to go through what we went through. And like, I can see all the issues. It doesn't have to be like bigger issues, like environment till crisis and, you know, global warming and all of those things and wars and blah, blah, blah. Just Mm. simple things like, you Mm. know, just even surviving school, you can look at them and be like, I can see how much this child is not in the best environment to thrive and this is going to fuck them up but then i can also hear a voice saying like but everyone has their struggles everyone just has to get through it and live through it and that's life <laughs> right no
0: as in you you make a very good point so i i think in those scenarios when someone says that i think it's like okay i think the first the first one is when parents try to defend and protect the kid from everything. They they want the kid to like have this perfect experience. Like a this, almost like a dystopian experience really. Because mm-hmm. I think that is a problem because then the kid doesn't develop the skills necessary to, to survive. Survive, be resilient, to be creative, to problem solve. But then on mm-hmm. the other side, when a parent just throws the kid up in the air and hopes the hope the kids lands properly you are also creating a very unfair scenario because you're not actually equipping the kid with whatever's necessary. You're like just mm. throwing them out unprepared. So you can you can say that both both have problems in terms of the approach, mm. and that it's not like one over the other. It's like you have to find this nice common ground. So I would say if I was if I wanted to procreate, I would give basic obviously like not basic, basically a decent, like, you know, obviously food, shelter, water. <laughs> love. You know, and then for me as a parent, I always dreamt about what kind of parent I would be because I always think that I love, I've always valued education. So I think a big part is like, you know, just letting my kids sign up for anything, whatever they wanted to, which is why for me, I always felt like money was going to be very important for me because I want my kid to say like, oh, mm. uh, in my head, I feel like my kid will, will call me mommy. I don't know. Okay, don't, don't ask me why, but... <laughs> <laughs> so example will be like
1: don't ask you why
0: so example will be like mommy can I sign up for piano I'm like sure just be committed make sure you go for every lesson and don't back out like you must finish it you must finish a course but mm-hmm. you know you. so I teach them commitment I teach them that you know, you know it's valuable it's valuable to learn all these things and that I will support you I will you know send you and pick mm-hmm. you up and stuff and if they are good continue it but whatever they want to learn and explore do it but, you know, in school, if they have problems in school, I would basically give them advice. Okay, if you have trouble with this, ask your teacher. If they can come back to me and say my teacher calls me stupid, I'll just be like, okay, your teacher is a donkey and we will find other avenues of help. You need to learn how to find other avenues of help. So I create an environment where I don't solve everything for the kid, but I give them the direction like, and help them if they get stuck. Because I think that that is what a kid needs. They don't need you to solve everything. They are resilient themselves. But you need to give them a fair advantage. You need to help them and show them what's necessary.
1: <clears throat> Parenting 101 from Audrey. Um... Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: thank you, but I don't want to have kids.
1: Yeah. Actually, See,
0: I don't and... know. I don't know. I've always dreamt of like a cute baby boy for obvious reasons. <laughs> Like you know, being all cuddly calls, you mommy. calls me mummy and like wakes me up on Saturday morning, and we have like breakfast of oatmeal because Auntie Stephanie loves oatmeal, and like
1: I, I actually have never had oatmeal. Oh, sorry, until, no like, cornflakes,
0: cornflakes, not oatmeal. <laughs> uh, Auntie Please, Stephanie loves. I am not that
1: conflict.
0: So um. you know, you know, I dream of that, but then I think about. A lot of things that I feel that I will not be prepared to procreate about. Okay, but that's a separate topic. Okay, but sorry, continue your thought.
1: No, I'm just like coming back to the question of this episode in, in terms of like, is procreation the driving force of society? Like, I think, <laughs> no, I'm as in sorry. Like, I think we, Did we just like
0: go far? Digress off track? into
1: parenting. No, and I think that was the point I was trying to make in terms of we see so many flaws in procreation just because we don't want to put children through pain. But then there is an argument for, I feel like that's my main reason to not want to procreate. It's like, I can't like, why would I put a child through the misery of life? Sort of a a perspective. And I'm like, is everyone capable of, that ideal parenting situation you described, n- not everyone has the time or the money or the energy to do that constantly for every child. And I'm and like, in that situation, we often see the family as this nuclear entity separate from everywhere else. That's where you need to step out and ask for help, right? Like if you want to provide your your child with, um, time you may not be able to give 100% of the time maybe there's someone else who can step in you, you know what I mean and um, which is why it comes back to the question of like why is it always send around this kind of family name family thing and it's all closed within that entity where we're not allowed to like I'm just thinking of this ideal scenario, right? Say, Azri and I are neighbours. I have a best friend who lives with me. And one of our closest friends have three children. And we're all living in the same environment, right? Why can't... We may be single still, but we can still support the child in terms of, oh, he needs to go to piano class. Um, our friend doesn't have the time one of us brings like i don't know like not everyone needs to procreate <laughs> like i i don't know the i don't know whether i'm articulating the the right way it's kind of like it's like every there's this sentiment of like everyone needs to procreate but actually maybe not it's like some people can procreate and the rest of us just help make sure that the child has the right environment to live and i feel like it's always like Or the parent, this and that. And the minute a parent asks for help outside, it's like, oh, they don't know how to deal with their child. And a lot of people stop asking for help because of those reasons. And and in my head, it's like, I don't need to have a child to have an impact on the community. I can, like, which is why I go back to the question of like, why can't we adopt a child? Like, if someone has six children, maybe it's an unplanned pregnancy. I'm just making this up, right? They can't afford to have the six children could could some could someone else not adopt a couple of them I mean this is a very far fetched example but I'm just saying like or couldn't the people in the society community support to take care of them and it feels like it becomes so transactional in the world that we live in and it's like oh it's my name, it's my family, it's my this and not necessarily society and connection and human like it becomes so individual. And then, which is why procreation becomes so important, like, oh, my child needs to have a child, like, my name needs to be, and not, like, if Azri helps my kid, Azri is still leaving his legacy on my child, or, like, if I'm helping a kid, I'm still leaving. Like, when you think about teachers, right, they're leaving legacy to, like, all 40 kids in their class, that's the thing like when I think about the reasons why people want to procreate in terms of loyalty in terms of legacy in terms of family name I'm like why does it need to be tied to your genetic code like why can't it just be general impact on society this is my personal rant right now like I think that's the point I was trying to like all these flaws we see with parenting I feel like could be fixed if we stepped away from that family unit and see how people in society could chip in and support i don't like yeah i don't know
0: no i actually i mean i agree with you i think the big part okay so you brought up a few things i think the reason why that doesn't happen or i don't think it will happen at least from an asian perspective is because of ego because Asians in general Have issues with asking help Now even admittedly like, I'll admit to it like I struggle with asking for help Like last year I was in a very bad place financially And even then it was, it was really a struggle For me to ask Stephanie for help And you know Even then I was like Really embarrassed and stuff Because I think We've just grown up Like never knowing That it's actually okay To ask for help And mm. then when it comes to These kids right Because you sort of think That the, like as the keyword goes it's a legacy it's like your legacy you think that Mm. it has to 100% be yours so that's one the other thing I think when you try to bring in help from people now I have been very honoured to you know I have friends who tell me like if I'm able to help take care of their kids like you know like a day like they just need some time off and I'm like yeah sure I don't mind but I do know that you know some people are very afraid because they've had they've heard or read cases online or on the internet or in the news that you know they ask someone or they ask a caretaker who ended up abusing the kid Mm. or hurting the kid so it creates this fear or paranoia around like you know asking someone outside of the family for help um or for example when you talk about adoption for example now this is i always thought that i would Adopt as a single parent. I legitimately thought that mm. because you know I've been in I've been in places where I, you know I was like at some of these um, orphanages and I've seen like some of the cutest kids. I was like, oh my god, I want one, and obviously not as an impulse thing, but like you know, in my head, I was hoping that eventually I'll be a parent and I'll go via that path. And then this friend of mine just had to plan this idea. Oh, Azri. What if they hit 18 and want to leave you and be reunited with their birth families? And that thought, as selfish as it is, is, crushed my heart. Because I can't imagine loving a child for like, what, 16, 18 years, and then they decide that, you know, they're legal, they're adults, they want to find their birth families and cut off from you. And I I, I don't know whether... (laughs) selfishly whether i can survive that kind of emotional blow so i think Mm -hmm. you know that is why i feel not to just counter your point for the sake of countering but i think like that's the general consensus why people are so against certain things because like for the asking for help is paranoia and fear uh Mm -hmm. bad experiences for example um like even my cousin when she had a kid she actually asked for help from someone she knew and the kid apparently had bite marks so the caretaker like bit him like and then it was like this huge hoo-ha it was really bad I think like the police was involved or something like that so it it's legitimate concerns and I can understand it and especially the adoption mm. one like I think no one wants that kind of emotional trauma from you know, your kid just deciding to up and leave
1: but that comes back to that point you were trying to make before where we don't have strong friendships or people we trust. Like, n- not we. I, I didn't mean we isn't we. <laughs> like, I meant I was what like, you were saying I'm like, not your good friend. <laughs> no, what you were saying, the example you were saying earlier with your family, where you kind of like, oh, don't you have friends at work or like friends outside of the family? It comes down to trust, doesn't it? Like, and and I feel like, you know, the bite mark example that you said why is that same fear not applied to family as well? I can name so many examples of how. Like, if you think about it, a lot of the sexual abuse cases
0: have I, been I think by family members. Uh, sorry, I think it's, it goes back to the Asian loyalty thing, the family thing. That's why they feel like family wouldn't... No, no, I'm not saying it's a good... I'm not yeah, saying yeah. it's a right mindset, but and they... Exactly,
1: that's the thing. And I feel like that's what makes it seemed like procreation is the end all and be all. It's like, Oh, only family, we can only trust family. Only family matters. And only this and that. And it's just a very toxic mindset, I think, Um, because then you're trapped to feel loyal to these people. And even if they might hurt you, like you've seen all these like trauma posts on Insta where, people are forced to have relationships even if they are physically or psychologically abused by members of the family right um the bit around you know abortion and what you said sorry not abortion adoption and what you said around like being emotionally impacted if they kind of wanted to go see their birth family and things like that but i feel like that also comes down to the type of relationship you have with your child right like exactly what you said in terms of that safe space and that's the thing, it's so it's such a complex situation. And because in my head, I don't know whether you've watched the show. There's a show on Netflix called I'm probably gonna get the name wrong. I think it's Tales of the City, where there's this woman who basically runs this house with like people who've quit their jobs, left their husbands, are queer, not accepting their families, kicked out. And it's this like safe environment of eight people who cohabitate together they, they don't have children it's just that support system and that kind of friendship and relationship and that's kind of where I was coming at because we've placed so much emphasis on having children as like the fundamental part of life in the fundamental part of society when actually it's more about building trusting relationships knowing how to like whether it's friendships whether it's partnerships, whatever it might be. And yeah, like I I feel like that's kind of the sentiment I was kind of getting at with this question, I guess, in terms of like, we place so much emphasis on procreation as the driving force of how society needs to be built just to keep our race going. But actually, what's the point of having more children when we don't know how to live well with each other, when we don't know how to trust each other and don't know how to... And, like, all of the issues we talked about in the last few episodes or, like, this series or whatever, all of the issues in the world come down to that, right? Like, people don't respect each other and people don't. And I guess, I don't know. Is this me being idealistic? <laughs> like, it's oh, not Oh, wow, I finally
0: influenced you.
1: I, this is not idealistic. It's just kind of like, why is it so hard for people to see that way like I don't know like and you know when you think about laws and society and things like that like why can't there be a law to have it's like if you're married you get the baby bonus but like if I'm taking care of the child do I get a bonus for spending two days out of the five days taking care of Azri's baby boy like you know what I mean it's like things like that where I don't know it's
0: just okay so
1: let's let's let's, let's wrap suspend
0: up. reality no, no actually we're not wrapping up I do have oh. I do have several I, questions oh
1: sorry I thought we were like
0: no I, felt as like in, I ranting no because okay admittedly the episode has gone on but I just feel like you know I can't we can't have said <sighs> all we've said without discussing this particular part so <sighs> you mentioned that you know adoption should be something that is talked in a more positive uh light basically, right? Something that people should consider versus mm. just procreation because there are a lot of kids out there who who need love and like supportive families or families who are able to mm. give them the financial, atten- financial and a- a- the time and attention that's needed. So let's say, let's suspend reality for a second and I was considering adopting and I tell you, mm-hmm. as I've mentioned, what my other friend said that, you know, when they become an adult, they could choose to just up and leave and want to have nothing to do with me because they want to be reunited with their birth families so what would you say to me because I would think that how you answer this is what people need to hear because I think the reason why adoption is seen in such a negative light is because no one has had the answer to this does that make sense but it's
1: the same but it's the same rationale as having a child right right I can give birth to a child, and my child can fuck up and leave me as well. Why does that same rule apply just for adopted children? But emancipation
0: doesn't happen as much within birth families.
1: No, as... I'm not saying about emancipation. I'm just saying
0: just people who just stop it, talking just...
1: to their yeah oh. people just stop talking to parents, right? Like, how many families you know that people don't even talk to their parents, or like, eh. and. But that's the thing, like whether I'm adopted or not, if you don't I think it comes down to that fundamental point you were making around parenting, where if you're not gonna spend the time or the energy or the emotional nurturing that a child needs, whether it's adopted, whether it's someone you've given birth to, the risks of losing the child is the same. Like whether they run away to their birth families, whether they run away um, and stop talking to you, it's the same impact, isn't it? Like, it's still losing a child. Oh,
0: so definitely why does so it... smart.
1: I'm so smart. So smart. Like, so what, what, why is the impact of an adopted child so much more different to a child you've given birth to beyond the, the genes, right? If anything, I feel like if your genetic child like it comes back to that transactional thing right it feels like just because i've provided for you i want you to stay with me and if you leave i'll be hurt kind of a feeling and like if you're truly a parent you'll be like okay this is what they need for themselves and you like you might be hurt but does, does that make sense i don't know like yeah it does. it's that same it sentiment like i think
0: i think yeah still I the mean...
1: expectation placed expect it, like it's the same conversation like you're expecting them to be a companion or support you or whatever and you're still keeping that expectation on adopted child to stay with you forever when they might want to know where their roots are or and i mean that's just one example isn't it
0: yeah um yes okay so i feel like stephanie has answered the question but i did not Um, So I think that, yes, procreation is important for the sake of us as a species. But I think the issue is, you know, understanding that you go, you procreate, understanding completely all the challenges, the needs, the risks involved. And I also think that, you know, like, please, seriously, just don't think that it's going to be easy because they're going to demand your attention a lot. And you know, and not just when they're sick or whatever, when they're sick, when they're bored, when they're playful, your life is really going to be upturned. And I think I, I really wanted to do this episode simply because I think we don't have honest conversations around, you know, having children. So yeah, that's about it. But uh, before we end, Stephanie, do you have any, um, you know, final things you would like to add on to, you know, the general conversation of this particular episode? <clears throat> I
1: think one is I wish people would stop like start realizing that whether you have kids or don't have kids it's up to you right it's your personal choice we have expressed our personal opinion for our personal reasons but I think we also need to realize that just having kids we shouldn't ignore all the human connections that we have in the world because I feel like I think we touched on this in the previous episode. It's kind of, we can get so concentrated on raising a child that we lose a sense of self, not lose a sense of self. Like you might, like I've had friends who've had children who then suddenly become a, okay, everyone's bound to change, but it's kind of like you neglect or cut down on your friends or just purely because of time. But I think those connections are still, still remain important because that's what's going to keep you saying like what you were saying, like, you know, the time, like, if you don't have time, if you're so burnt out, at least you have someone to call to and talk to. Right. Um, and I think that that mentality that's so ingrained in Asian societies needs to change. Like before I go into another tangent, and I'm going to wrap up, but I did see this meme um, maybe a couple of weeks ago where there was this meme of saying like, oh, why do all brown mums don't have any friends apart from kids of like mums of their kids' friends? And like it really like I was like, oh, yeah, that is true. Like what happened to all the friends from school? What happened to all the friends from work? Like why are all the friends like my mom's my, like my, my friends' moms? And it comes down to that because they so get absorbed into the child and it becomes their sole purpose in life that they lose um that human connection they had with everyone else. And I feel like that's something and, and that's the point of this episode. I guess like we've placed so much importance on like raising a child, having a child that we lose the sense of what human is like like we place we make it seem like it's it's your human need to procreate when actually your human need is to connect with people and build those trusting relationships so you can actually survive in this world and like and I guess that's the point I'm trying to make in a very roundabout way
0: <laughs> well thank you for that Uh, yeah but you know I think this was a very good conversation to have I feel like <laughs> I feel okay well obviously since um, you know this, <clears throat> these are topics that obviously are close to both our hearts right that's why we decided to embark on them so but it was very interesting to be able to talk about some, something so important Really And Honestly I have to tell you Stephanie Like what you said About adoption Really like Changed my mind So I might actually adopt Because Oof. I actually Never thought of it That way Because I think I've always Sort of felt like You know I mean You know Growing up Asian right So they always think The top of that Whole Asian loyalty thing Like blood being Thicker than water So I never thought that But now that I hear that I realise that You know I could have a very Healthy relationship With my children And then It's up to them if they want to leave, okay, fine, by all means. But Angelina Jolie has shown that, you know, she could adopt from all corners of the globe and have a very (laughs) healthy relationship with her children while pursuing a career. I mean, what we see, basically. I'm just going to say based on what we see. Uh, So, you know, maybe, maybe I could do that. Because I thought, I thought that, you know, because Singapore, you you can't adopt as a single male in Singapore. So... You know, I think for me, you know, whether Angelina Jolie is the same behind closed doors, we don't know. But I've always looked at her as like a sort of like, you know, like a symbol of like possibility for me that maybe I could do something Mm. like that in the future. So guys, if you know, I become, when, when I am an international bestseller, so please stay tuned and see my adoption (laughs) process. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but as always, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 42 of Blurred Thoughts. As always, please remember we have a Facebook and Instagram at underscore Blurt Thoughts. You can also message Stephanie and myself at The Chronic Cynic or Miskal Azri on Instagram. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. Bye.